This is episode 339 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are 15 Ways to Keep Your Chickens Cool in Hot Weather and Understanding the Need and How to Clean Your Firearm. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, this episode is being sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like some more information, you can head on over to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com and I'll have a link for you in the show notes. All right, so let's go ahead and get started on our first article of the podcast. It comes to us from homesteadsurvivalsite.com, and a lot of people have been interested in chickens. Uh, I know that we had a few chickens of our own out here in in suburbia, and uh, we really enjoyed having them. But, you know, along with chickens, uh, is well, depending on where you are in the country, is going to depend on how you take care of them. And so when it gets hot, And we are getting into the hot months now, especially down here in the south. Uh, I know some of you up north have a little bit cooler weather still, but down here it is really, really hot. And so we want to make sure that we take care of our chickens so that they continue to provide the eggs that we want want and we need. And uh, also, you know, that we take care of them so that we have them for the long haul. And so there's a lot of great information here, Um, whether you have chickens now, you're just starting out, or uh, you plan on having them in the future. Just a lot of good information. So let's go ahead and get started. Chickens are hardy birds and can adapt to most common weather fluctuations, with the exception of heat. Hot temperatures can kill an entire flock just as quickly as any predator. Sudden jumps in temperature are far more dangerous to chickens than a seasonal or a gradual temperature increase. Unlike humans and likely many breeds of livestock on your homestead, chickens do not sweat. A chicken's body temperature generally hovers around 170 degrees. When the birds are subjected to temperatures outside of their typical comfort zone, 65 to 75 degrees, they can die from heat stroke. When the thermometer rapidly climbs, your flocks will face a higher chance of heat stroke. Typically, when chickens are exposed to hot weather, their blood begins to flow towards their outer layers of skin, their wattles and their combs, and away from their vital organs where it is most needed. Chickens will fly over to a tub of cool water and hop inside to wade as long as the water isn't too deep. Chickens generally don't want to be in water deeper than the tops of their legs or underbellies. So how to tell when a chicken is experiencing signs of a heat stroke? Well, there's panting. During the initial stages of a possible heat stroke, a chicken will often pant excessively in an attempt to cool its body. When a chicken engages in this behavior, both its heart and respiratory rate will increase substantially, which in turn negatively impacts its pH balance. If the chicken is not cooled to curtail the excessive panting, it could begin to experience acidosis, which almost always ends in death. Frantic walking The chicken often walks around its run or free-range area frantically while panting profusely in yet another attempt to defray the heat stress it is experiencing. The bird is essentially trying to run away from the pain caused by the heat. Then egg laying. 
When a chicken is unexpectedly thrust into hot weather conditions, hens generally begin to lay far fewer eggs than normal. This same type of behavior is exhibited during the long, cold winter months when temperatures dip down to below 40 degrees. There's appetite loss. Chickens often lose their appetite or stop eating entirely when they are struggling to cope with hot weather conditions. And spread eagle. If you spot one of your chickens spread eagle on the ground with their wings fully outstretched in the dirt in a generally listless state, the bird is most likely approaching fatal heat stroke status. So if you create a shady space within the free range area, your flocks will naturally gravitate to it when they become overheated. This is also the first place you should go to conduct heat stress health checks on your chickens. If your birds live in a confined space, consider using edible landscaping in or around the run to create shade and encourage their foraging instincts. So here are the top 15 chicken hot weather survival tips. Number one is freedom of movement. Make sure your coop and run allow for enough freedom of movement and airflow. Each member of the flock should have at least three square feet of space to move about. Number two is coop ventilation. In your efforts to keep predators out of the coop, make sure not to limit ventilation too severely for the sitting hens who will spend their days inside. If your nesting boxes do not have wood or metal flaps that could be or can be lifted to allow you to reach in and collect eggs, consider cutting some into the coop. Make sure the flaps can be locked securely and the openings covered with hardware cloth to protect the hens when the flaps are lifted for added ventilation. Screw the top side of the hardware cloth to a wood slat that is nailed to the coop. The bottom side of the hardware cloth should be secured in place with another movable wood slat that could be easily opened to allow the hardware cloth to be lifted. Number three is frozen snacks. Freeze some peas, corn, or another flock favorite treat in ice cube trays and serve them to the birds when the temperatures start to climb. The birds will be cooled down as they peck away at the ice cubes to reach the yummy snacks inside. So one of the things that I would do as well uh, during the summer months is... Um, if I had fruit, so for whatever reason, if I cut an apple and uh, there was chunks that I could uh, keep of the apple or especially strawberry tops or watermelon, um, I would freeze bits and pieces of those inside of, uh, and I, I wouldn't always put it, you know, so if I cut a bunch of it, I would just, you know, put it in a bag and kind of freeze it, but then I would always add it to another, uh, I, I just had a, a a plastic you know bowl in there uh it's a small bowl it wasn't a big bowl because i didn't have a lot of chickens but uh you know just would freeze them throw them in there and freeze them in, in new water every single day after i i took the the new ice out and took it out there and uh, man they would go to town on that so that is something that they really really enjoy number four is a solar mister purchase a nominally priced solar mister and affix it inside the coop run or free range area to allow the birds to benefit from the moisture spray and to walk through it to cool off at will. Number five, a solar fan. Attach a solar fan, several if you have a large flock, coop, or run, to the flock's domain to create additional airflow that can help cool down the birds. Number six is apple cider vinegar. Pour a teaspoon or so, depending on both the water and number of flock members, of apple cider vinegar into the chicken's water supply to help keep the birds hydrated and to replace the nutrients they are losing due to their level or loss of appetite. 
If you have a free-range flock, simply fill a container with water and the apple cider vinegar and place it where the, the chickens tend to congregate. Number seven, frozen water bottles. Put some frozen plastic water bottles into the flock's waterer to keep it as cool as possible. You can also put some frozen water bottles around the coop, run, and free-range area for the birds to curl up and to help bring body temperatures and pH balance back into a normal range. Number eight is fruit. Feed the flock fruit snacks to help them stay hydrated. Typically, fruit should only be given to chickens in mild moderation, but during a heat wave, the extra moisture the fruit provides just might save their lives. Watermelon is always a big hit with chickens of nearly any breed. Number nine, homemade electrolyte drink. Mix up a simple and fairly healthy electrolyte drink for the flock to help prevent dehydration and to restore both nutrients and minerals that the hot weather and lack of appetite have stripped from their bodies. To make a poultry electrolyte drink, mix together one gallon of water and one eighth teaspoon of both baking soda and salt and three teaspoons of sugar. You can serve the homemade electrolyte drink as a free choice item or mix it in the flock's waterer. Number 10, a mud bath. Mud wallows are not just for pigs. Hens love to take a dirt bath, and when hot temperatures arrive, they seem to love taking a mud bath even more. To make a mud bath for your chickens, dig individual holes or a trench and hose it down thoroughly to create some nice, soft, and cool mud. Digging into the dirt will allow the flock to benefit from the cooler below ground temperatures. If you cannot dig a hole or trench, you could fill a plastic storage tub or similar item with dirt hose it down to make mud, and put it in a shady spot. Number 11, make shade. Use tarps or feed bags to create makeshift awnings around the coop, chicken run, or free-range area gathering spot. Placing the water and feeder in this area during daylight hours should help coax the flock's members to gather inside and hopefully to both drink and eat more as their body temperatures cool. Number 12, a wading pool. Chickens do not like to go full-on swimming in the water like ducks, but they will wade in shallow amounts of water to cool off. Find a shallow container large enough to hold at least a significant portion of your flock and fill it with cool water after it has been placed in the shade. Change the water at least daily to keep it from becoming too warm and deterring chickens from flying in for a soak. The wading pool will only need a few inches of water to do the trick which will help keep the soak safe for even your chickens. If you want a little free entertainment this summer, that will also help keep your flock healthy and invest in a slip and slide. Once a single bird gets brave enough to keep give it a whirl, the rest will soon follow and slide around to cool themselves for as long as you keep the water flowing. And chickens are just fun to, uh, to watch as well. I can't imagine them going through a slip and slide, but that would probably be very funny to watch. Number 13 is a run cover. If, you, if your run does not have a wood, metal, or tarp cover, put one on it to create shade for a captive flock. You do not have to cover the entire run, but create enough shade so that the entire flock can escape the heat while still having adequate freedom of movement. Number 14, barn kept. Move the chickens to a stall, makeshifted into a summer coop when the weather starts to get hot. The inside of a wood barn with a dirt floor generally feels far cooler than either the outside or a coop. You can spray down the inside walls of the chicken stall and the dirt as well to make it even better a better cooling station. 
my free-range chickens spend the entire summer roosting in the barn rafters, which keeps them both cool and adequately safe from predators. And then number 15 is an ice water tower. This clever DIY chicken cooler invention is not hard or expensive to make and will help provide a nearly continual source of cool waiting and drinking water for a heat-stressed flock. Watch the video below to see how it works. So there's a video there. So lastly here, um, choose the right breed. Some chicken breeds fare far better than others during the summer months or in warm climates. Here are a few examples. The Leghorns, the Brahmas, the Rhode Island Reds, New Hampshire Reds, the Black Menorcas, and Fiomi. I don't know if I said those last two right. Regardless of what chicken breeds you choose, always be on the lookout for signs of heat stress and heat stroke when the temperature reaches 80 degrees or higher. And, you know, like somewhere here in, uh, in Texas or in Houston, 80 degrees or higher happens really quickly, you know, in the spring for us. And so, uh, you, you know, you're watching out. But that, um, like I said, the, the, the snacks with the ice cubes and the fruit or any kind of vegetables. Now, a lot of the times you can just put stuff that normally you would throw away. You know, you can kind of place it in there. And uh, they did love watermelons. I remember that was one that they really, truly loved. There's a lot of benefits to having chickens, uh, a whole, whole lot of benefits. And so if you can uh, afford them, if you can have them, you know, in your area, in your uh, homestead or even in your backyard. I know there's a lot of people uh, that, uh, you know, try to have, you know, at least two or three. Um, If you're not eating eggs every single day, Two or three will be more than enough for you because you're, you'll be gathering them on a regular basis. But anyway, I, I do think that uh, having chickens is very, very beneficial uh, for, for people. And so um, if I had a little bit more room, if I lived a little bit further out in the country, I would definitely have more. It was definitely a learning experience. So uh, guys, that's over at homesteadsurvivalsite.com. And like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Our next article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. And uh, this article is entitled, Understanding the Need and How to Clean Your Firearm. And so it doesn't go into uh, a lot of specifics about cleaning your firearms, but uh, important information that you should have. And so I know that there's a lot of people out there who uh, see the signs of the times and and uh, whether it's for defensive purposes or uh, because they hear stuff like uh, gun grabs and things like that. And they worry that if they don't get a firearm now that they'll never be able to. There's a lot of people out there that do have firearms. They go, they shoot them a couple of times at the range and then they never do anything with them. They never clean them or anything. And definitely I think it should uh, you should clean them and you should uh, learn how to do that. And it's not hard at all. And so this article gives some good advice to start out and to get you headed in the right direction. So let's go ahead and start reading. Prepper forums seem to have a lot of posts on guns and prepper novels always have gunfights. So it is safe to say preppers have an interest in firearms. I've made several posts here about firearms and ammunition and Salty does what I feel are excellent gun reviews. Despite all that interest, you'll rarely see a post on a prepper form about gun cleaning. This is unfortunate because I suspect many preppers who have stocked plenty of firearms and ammo will run out of cleaning supplies quickly in a long-running disaster. Those of us who go to a range regularly understand that if a gun isn't clean, it is just a matter of time before it malfunctions or corrosion sets in. What I think is missed in our prepper thinking is that cleaning supplies run out, And after doomsday, you may be giving your firearms a workout. 
In other words, we may underestimate the amount of cleaning required and hence the cleaning supplies required. Training is the big driver of increased firearms use. It takes a lot of shooting to bring someone who has never handled firearms previously up to speed. Cleaning needs to take place to keep the firearms functional for the next training session. While you may feel you and your MAG are trained, what about all of the MAG's family members? And guys, MAG stands for mutually assist, Mutual Assistant Groups. A majority of Americans do not own or use firearms on a regular basis today. You probably have several people in your family who are untrained or minimally trained in firearm use. Even if your family is thoroughly in tune with American gun culture, you almost certainly have children who are not yet trained or family members who are Second Amendment supporters but haven't fired a gun in years. Many of us live in blue states and are finding it increasingly difficult to get to a range or even a gun store. There are entire major cities such as San Francisco, Chicago, and others that have completely eliminated all such facilities within their boundaries. I fully expect that my entire mag will require significant firearms training post-SHTF. Make sure that cleaning is done by everyone, not just a select few. Disassembly, cleaning, and reassembly is part of learning that particular firearm operation. So once SHTF, you are going to have a problem keeping anything clean, including guns. In a world where it is difficult to clean and temperatures are uncooperative, dirt will permeate. Go on a sufficiently long camping trip and you'll see what I mean. In the north, make that winter camping. Despite this challenge, our firearms still need to be kept clean and lubricated to work properly. So one first step is to have a firearm-specific cleaning kit for each firearm. A firearm-specific kit will have brushes in the right sizes and a minimum supply of everything else required to clean the firearm. For instance, the kit above for an AR-15 can be resupplied with patches and a supply of cleaner, lubricant, protectant, like CLP regardless of brand, and be adequate to clean an AR indefinitely. If you have a different choice than an AR-15 for your long gun, you will want something different. For instance, I am partial to bore snakes for rifle barrels, so I like to have a bore snake for each rifle. You will also need a supply of patches unless you are willing to spend a lot of time cutting up old t-shirts to acquire the patches you need. For a pistol, you need essentially the same supplies, plus a short rod for cleaning the barrel. I like the Glock rods, which are a relatively simple plastic rod capable of holding brushes or patches. They are cheap and work great on almost any semi-automatic pistol. Once you have your basic kit for each firearm, you can stock up all the items needed to replace the contents as they get used over time. You will also need cleaners and lubricants. There are several products that combine cleaning and lubricating in a single product. These are the simplest way to stock up. But if you have weapons that you like to run dry, then a separate cleaning only product is a good idea. So generally, cleaning kits provide a minimal amount of a combined cleaner and lubricant. But you'll want a substantial supply on hand for the apocalypse or the next mass shooting induced by panic. Don't forget a needle oiler for getting lubricant onto specific spots required on your firearm. If you are going to store firearms for a long time, particularly if you are going to cache them, you'll want to use a protectant such as Cosmoline. Cosmoline is a brand name. 
Most protectants are a nuisance to remove because the whole point is for the protectant to stay on the firearm to protect it. If it comes off easily, it can't do its job. If you do store a firearm coated with the protectant, be sure to store cleaning supplies with it for the time it comes out of storage. So how to clean your firearm. I can't really give you step-by-step cleaning instructions for every firearm out there, but the basic steps are the same regardless of the types of firearm. There are a few specialty cleaning items for specific firearms, but you'll be able to clean most firearms with the cleaning supplies described above. To clean a firearm, you essentially need to partially disassemble the firearm, also known as field stripping. Clean the individual parts, reassemble the firearms, lubricating as appropriate along the way. How the disassembly and reassembly is done differs from one type of firearm to the next, but you can find an online video on how to perform the task for virtually any firearm. Given the current disruption caused by YouTube, try the manufacturer's site or simply do a search to find the right video. For common firearms, you may find a dozen videos. Learn to clean your firearms now because after SHTF, the internet may not be available. Post SHTF, you can teach others if you know how to do the cleaning yourself. Manuals tend not to be as convenient as videos, but having printed manuals for each firearm is a good idea. Buying a package of patches or a can of ball stall is not as much fun as a new firearm or even a box of ammunition. But if you want your firearm to not only protect you, but protect you during a long-running disaster, you probably want to stock up on cleaning supplies prior to SHTF. All right, guys. um, I love the idea of the videos, and I do suggest that you go and you find videos on your specific a firearm and and like he said here in the uh, the article there are tons of videos out there and uh, if you have a popular if you have a Glock or you have one of the more popular you know whatever uh, you know just insert any kind of brand there you are more than likely going to find it on YouTube unless they started shutting down all of them and so I would recommend that you uh, that you download the videos and so there's different I know that I've talked uh, about it. Uh, in the past, recently I have, um, like for instance, my school district for teachers who want to, because we don't have YouTube open for students, um, they have a, uh, a a software. I guess it's an extension, but really it's a, a software called ClipGrab.org, and uh, it's really neat uh, because you just pop in the URL and you're able to download it very quickly. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go download that uh, if you want to. But uh, you know that, that way you find so you find the the video that you want. You uh, copy the URL, you drop it in um, you know, in the software, and then it just downloads it for you. And so you'll have it on your. Um, on your computer, uh, you know, always, or you could even drop it, you know, I, I'm sure you could drop it on your phone. You could transfer it to your phone or transfer it to a tablet just in case you ever needed it, you wanted it. Because sometimes following a video is a lot easier than, like you said, trying to find uh, a manual and trying to go from that. It's just, uh, it's a lot easier. So I would recommend going and finding videos that are, are highly rated 
and uh, that people you know seem to uh, you know don't have any big problems with and uh, you know go from there and uh, let them walk you through you know get do one step and then hit pause and then do it and then uh, you know continue on to the next part and uh, and then do it from there and you know basically you'll have your own little tutoring session on cleaning a firearm if you've never done it before it really truly is an easy way of doing it and so uh, I recommend that uh, guys, I'm going to put this link to ClipGrab, this software. I believe you're going to need to have like a Windows machine to be able to download this software. But uh, it works very, very quickly. At least it works uh, at the school district for me very, very quickly. And so uh, I haven't installed it here at home because I have other ways that I download uh, videos that you know I just haven't had to do it. And I recently found this one. And so, uh, but I'm going to try this one as well because, uh, you know, there's other videos out there that uh, I might want to uh, to have. Maybe some um, some first aid videos, maybe some medical videos that are, are, are pretty important. But anyway, this software is called ClipGrab and, and uh, I think it'll be valuable to you. Uh, hopefully you'll think so as well. All right, guys. Well, that is it for episode 339. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the Prepper website, podcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me, especially coming on over to the Facebook group. We have a g- great group of people over there, a lot of wisdom that are very helpful. If you have any questions, you can always ask uh, and, and never feel like uh, people are going to make fun of you or come down on you. That's not something that we ever would allow. Uh, we just want people to have a place where they can come and they can learn. And so I know I'm hearing from a lot of you uh, new to preparedness and, and new to uh, you know, new to the community because uh, you see things out there. Maybe you've hit the, the podcast, and uh, but your eyes are starting to get open. And so you're like, hey, there's something to this preparedness thing. So, uh, you know, we definitely want to help anybody out there who is new and you have questions. So uh, come on over to the Facebook group. We make it very easy for you to do that and to connect with me on social media in the show notes and over at the Prepper website, podcast.com. And so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.